felt good enough running around yesterday. He might be able to practice today. Is that going to be the case? We'll see what he can do. You know, he did run around a little bit yesterday, and then they'll, they'll monitor him as he goes through today. So I don't have any other update. It's exactly what he just said. So we'll see what he can do. You've spoken about how highly you thought of Odell in the draft last year. Was a trade <coughs> possible at all in, in terms of getting up? You know, no. Is it something you explored? There was no trade. He's not practicing again today. What's the, the approach from... From your standpoint, when you have a guy, I'm sure it happens every week where you have to kind of monitor whether he's going to play or not. Yeah, our approach is he's playing. That's our approach. We'll see 13 on Monday night. Very competitive player. Know him very well. He's going to play against us. You've, you've let players um, in the past play through some pretty significant injuries. Todd Hermans, for example, last year. Um, what's your theory in, in changing that when sometimes players maybe don't push themselves uh, from coming from injury? It's good. I've, there's no theory with mine. It's all done through the athletic training room and our doctors. So I, have, I don't weigh in on any injuries, or that's not my expertise, and that's all up to those guys. So I, I don't weigh in one way or another on any of that the stuff. Decision never comes down to the head it never comes down to the head coach. Never should come down to the head coach. I'm not in charge. I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't never have cleared anybody to play, and never will clear anybody to play. And then, so then it's between the player and the trainer then to decide or the, the, the doctor the doctor play. not the trainer it's the doctor the, the doctors doctor. say who plays and who doesn't play how is Byron Maxwell I think Byron's played well in the last couple of weeks you know getting settled getting an understanding of um, you know what we're doing defensively but I thought he's played well in the last couple of weeks I know we've said that Diz handles all the running back rotation but if Ryan Matthews keeps playing really well you guys as a team have to make a concerted effort to get we it just work on a daily basis here so I'm not concerned with you know, we'll see. You have no idea. That's why I'm never a hypothetical guy. Ryan could be the only healthy back in the second quarter tomorrow night on Monday night. So there's, we don't ever have conversations about what happens if this happens or that happens. It's just got to take it as it comes. So. Yeah. It's efficient. You only have to shave once a week. So later in the week, we have more time. So. Jordan Hicks has played, I think, more snaps than any other inside linebacker mm -hmm. for you guys. How much? Has there been instances where he's been in charge of kind of running running the show, getting the signal? And, and yeah, there there has. You know, he gets the, um, the you know, when D'Amico's out, really, he's the guy making the calls when, when we're in, uh, in a lot of our packages, and he's done a great job of that. I mean, he's really in tune to the game plan every week. He's, you know, I've said it, and I say it as a compliment. He's never, since he got here, he's never acted like a rookie. He's just been really mature in his approach uh, and his understanding of what we're trying to do. And um, I know Billy and... Rick have the extreme confidence in him, so if he he's in charge, calling everything and making any calls, and he, he can certainly do that and has done that. You've, I heard that we heard the term before, a good route runner for a wide receiver, but I'm not really sure exactly what that means. Like, what what makes a good wide receiver or a very good route runner? I think how crisp and clean they are on their routes. You know, it's not sloppy. You know, if he's supposed to get 16 yards and break at a 45 degree angle he gets to 16 yards and breaks at a 45 degree angle he doesn't start rounding his cut at 13 and kind of lean into it or kind of give the route away in terms of you know some guys peak you know all of a sudden I, I got to run a comeback but at 13 I start looking back now you've given a clue to the defender you know you want the defender to think that you're going vertical and you're running a jet route when you're running a comeback route so to speak so the guys that can do that not everybody can do that not everybody can run full speed through 16, sink, plant, drive, and come back out of the cut. At some point in time, they got to give a tell away to the defensive back to slow themselves down. So the guys that are the real good route runners make you think you're doing one thing when they're actually doing something else. 
Miles, we've heard, is good at that. How has he helped some of the younger guys in that regard? I just think in Miles' situation, he's got such a um, vast experience in terms of where he was. And I know he, he spoke to me about it in terms of, you know, he came into the league as an undrafted free agent, uh, <laughs> said he learned a lot. You know, when, his, when he was an undrafted guy, just studying the guys in one-on-ones that were getting open. When he was a rookie, he said it was Terry Glenn that he watched a lot when he was at Dallas. Watched a lot of what Witten does in his routes and has really just became a student because uh, he knew he had to be a great route runner, uh, great guy with releases for him to make it in the league and understood what it took for him. So spent a lot of time studying releases, spent a lot of time studying the different techniques and how to run routes so that he could perfect them. So. I just think Eli's it's his second year in Ben McAdoo's system and you can see there's a comfort level in Eli in, in the whole system. He, not only has he only thrown two interceptions, he's only been sacked four times. Um, you know, he's getting the ball out of his hand quickly. He he can recognize how people are defending their team. You know, if the coverage is rolled one way, he's automatically going another way. He doesn't stay on a receiver and say, Hey, I gotta throw the ball to this guy, so I'm gonna wait for him to get open. He, he makes his, he's really going rapidly through his progressions uh, and putting themselves in a really good situation offensively. And, and they're throwing the ball a ton. You know, we had 41 completions uh, last week. So it's not like some guys aren't throwing a ton of interceptions, but they haven't had a lot of attempts. He's had a ton of attempts. So there have been opportunities to pick and there have been opportunities to sack him, but those haven't happened because I really think his comfort level is, is, uh, is very, very good in that offense right now, especially being in the second year for him. So. What makes uh, McAdoo good? Does he have a, a certain style that stands out about no, nah, I think he's a good play caller. You know, I think Ben's got a real good. I think he understands his system. Uh, he doesn't try to do things that are out of what their system is. Um, you know, and there's a lot of multiple. You, you got to have a good quarterback to run the system, but there's there's multiple guys on on each route. I mean, there could be there's a lot of five outs, so there's five eligible receivers. And the thing that happens is when you have a quarterback that can quickly diagnose that this is the coverage and there they are, then bang, I'm going over here, even though my initial read may have started over there. And that takes, you know, it's a special match between a a coordinator in a system and the quarterback that can implement that stuff. So, well, number they're second in the league in run defense. You know they've done an outstanding job at stopping the rush um, in the first five games. You know, and they they've done it against everybody they played. Um, they're big inside. You know, with Hankins and Cullen Jenkins in there, their linebackers are downhill physical linebackers. You know that that are that are really geared towards stopping the run. Um, you know, and I think for that reason, I think a lot of people have tried. To throw the ball on them a little bit more, just because you know you, you may be banging your head against the wall in terms of trying to run the football against that look. So um, that, that's the first thing, and I think a lot of coaches on the defensive side of the ball will tell you that, hey, we're going to stop the run first, establish what we can do, and try to make the team one-dimensional, and that's how they've been successful on the defensive side. When, when you change or when you let Todd and Evan go, like how much were you relying on guys like you know Peters and Lane and Jason Kelsey to kind of? I mean, that happens all the time whenever you, you lose an experienced veterans like those guys. You rely on the other experienced veterans to, to help out. And we felt very confident in Jason and Lane and, and Kels that, um, that those guys could foster those, the younger players that were going to come in there and give them, a, give them a, you know, the experience and the knowledge that they have and share that with them. So. I heard before that the tight end position on field goal is one of those thankless positions in football. I think the entire field goal unit itself is a thankless position because and why do I believe that is that basically your job is to put your both hands on the ground close your eyes and let people take a running start at you 
and the only way you ever get noticed is if you get knocked backwards and the ball gets blocked, you know. So no one ever says, you know, when someone hits a 52-yarder to win a game, boy, what a great protection by the right tight end on that play. You know, you, you don't notice them. The only time you do notice them is when the ball's blocked. So, you know, those guys in, in those situations, whether it be the guards through the tight ends, everybody in that front that's protected on the, on the, on the field goal or the extra point, you know, um, you know, it's really kind of a thing. Not, not a lot of guys want to sign up for that, you know. You put a job, wanted, you know, job want up there and just said, hey, here's a job. You get to put your hand on the ground and have someone 320 pounds run full speed and knock you over. And if you do, you're not good at it. You know, just stand your ground. That's not, not a lot of guys want to sign up for that job. So, but it's a necessary in terms of how our game is played. So. You're not afraid to use starters on special teams uh, more than most coaches maybe. I don't know about more than most because we haven't studied that, but I think, yeah, with the with the roster, you have to. Now, we'll never have a starter that's a four-core special teams guy, but if, if a Malcolm Jenkins can be a kickoff cover guy and we can get one out of Malcolm um, or we can get something out of uh, uh, Nolan Carroll or we can get something out of Walter Thurman, you kind of share that through your starters. You know, Coop is playing uh, wing on our punt team, you know, and it's it's – I think just with the numbers at 46, you, you have to do that. Um, if not, I don't think you're going to be successful uh, from a special team standpoint. If if you're just continually using just the backups and always kind of in, then you're going to be worn down a little bit. You know, I think we we try to rotate those guys a little bit. A lot of it is you'll see we get different gunners out there just because if if you're putting a lot and all of a sudden you know guys have covered three or four kicks, you know it makes it difficult now. So you got to be able to kind of rotate and keep those guys fresh as you kind of go through that. So. Yeah, uh, Sturgis, how's he looking? Been great. Hasn't missed a kick. This week? Yeah. We haven't kicked yet, so. Hasn't missed a kick. So, we'll go tonight.